This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I thank God for the opportunity to come back here to Rutgers and the platform that it's going to give me and our coaching staff with our players. To watch them go from being young men to walking out the door as grown men. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online, and welcome to Recruiting Roundup. Recruiting Roundup is our weekly show that drops on Fridays, bringing you all the news and analysis from the past week of recruiting. You can follow and interact with us on social media accounts at Prospects 101 Pod. I'm joined by my co-host Brandon Pastel. What's up, Brandon? What's up, guys? And I'm also joined by another co-host, Brandon Glessner. What's up, Gless? Hey, another great week in college recruiting, man. It's starting to heat up. Gosh, I love it. There's nothing more I love talking than college football recruiting. It's 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 like the NFL draft, but for college. I love it. And it's weekly, too. Like There's always a new hope that comes to your school, whether it's a three-star, four-star, five-star player. It's like, this is the guy that's going to change the program. Is he really? Probably not. But it gives you hope. <laughs> Well, and then I love the I love the annual you know the the competition between the schools too. Like Wake has a three star recruit that's going to make a commitment on Friday that they're in the running for, and you look at the other schools that that have offered them, and you're like you're kind of like I hope there's some ACC schools in there so we can kind of like rub it in our rivals' faces. I love it. I just yeah. love it. And, and the other thing about it too is you get a lot of these guys that that do commit and end up flipping. You know, late either during the season or right before signing day. So it's never a dull moment in high school recruiting for sure. Well, and what you're seeing now too is Tennessee actually had that happen today, and most people are going to look at at Tennessee and be like, "Oh, they lost a three star recruit." But the early word is they're basically processing some recruits out, and what that means is three star defensive back Nate Evans flipped he flipped his commitment today as we were kind of recording our other shows. He flipped his commitment from Tennessee to NC State. You know, and Tennessee fans might be like, "Oh no, we lost a recruit," but they were already at their limit. They had no more. They have no more scholarships to offer. So it sounds like they're processing some of these three-star yeah. recruits out to make room for potential more four-star recruits or higher three-star recruits. Yeah, yeah no, uh, there's no doubt about it. And the other thing to keep in mind, especially all of our listeners, like a lot of these schools offer you know, three to four times the scholarships that they have avail- available mm-hmm. for exactly that. Because, you know, if I'm a, I'm a four-star recruit and I live in Georgia, I have offer from Georgia, I have an offer from Clemson, I have an offer from Alabama, and I have an offer from Auburn. 
Well, they got to they got to get their guys too, right? So everybody is offering way above more than they have just so when guys commit to other schools, they still have guys in their pipeline. I have I have a guy I work with with that's what happened to his son is his son had offers to a bunch of Ivy League schools and then he ended up deciding go to University of Richmond um but in in kind of that deciding process, the receiving coach had re reached out to a couple of those Ivy League schools and were like, yeah, sorry, man, it's just not available anymore, right? Which means that, you know, a guy that was higher on their board that they had offered a scholarship because he was he wanted to commit. He wanted to go to one of those Ivy League schools. And he said, sorry, man, just it's not there anymore. So they pulled the offer. So, I mean, anything can happen in recruiting when – when that snowball starts to happen and guys starting to recruit and, and, you know, it's almost like a game of musical chairs. That's a great point, Gless. And that's why I think it's a very important to understand. Like I think we mentioned in other recruiting roundups, how there's been two or three times the amount of players have already committed to date, which I know me and Kenny, we kind of disagree on this. I think that means there's going to be two to three more times of decommitments that are going to be happening over the next uh, eight months until next, you know, December and February when they uh, sign a letter, letter of intent. But I mean, it's like it's if it's a tall tale sign, man. Just look at the transfer portal. That thing has exploded these last few years, and I kind of see that again with the high school recruiting. In the sense of like, people are going to commit, and then they're going to decommit because once they find out that a JT Daniels landed at your Georgia University, what about that five star player that just was supposed to sign? Why would I go there at this point when you have one of the best recruits ahead of you? in an already deep quarterback room, I might as well go play for another team like Miami or Florida State or somewhere where the quarterback room isn't as deep. So he's probably going to decommit. I mean, I could just see that happening a lot as we transition for the next eight months because they commit it so early. You're talking about Brock Vandergriff, right? Correct. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see, especially if a five-star quarterback decommits. Like any five-star player who decommits is always going to be big news. So if he decommits, that could be very interesting to see. I'd be anxious to, to find out where he goes speaking of quarterbacks though and the big news this week is usc lands another top 10 quarterback commit they already had a top 10 commit in jake garcia who was the seventh overall ranked quarterback in this recruiting class number eight the guy right behind him miller moss made his commitment earlier this week and i love it the usc of old is starting to return you know they're ranked fifth in the country right now, Clay Helton seems to have evaded that hot seat for a little bit longer. So I don't know if him being back another year now they're like, okay, let's his recruiting is starting to pick up because last year they had a really dreadful year recruiting, but now they've gotten two top ten commits. They already have Keaton Slovis, who's there. We already talked about Jack Sears and JT Daniels transferring last week, so they've essentially just replaced those two guys with two high ranked guys as well. It's just an a nice time to be a USC coach and a USC uh, recruiter right now. What do you think, Pastel? Well, I think that USC is telling the recruit something in the sense of like, hey, if you're the better player, you're going to play. Because if, and that's what happened with Keaton Slovis and JT Daniels. I mean, they pretty much said, Slovis, you outperformed JT Daniels. Sorry, JT Daniels. You're more than welcome to transfer, and that's what he did. So I think that's a really good recruiting chip that you can use to high school athletes being saying, Two, uh, like we say with Miller Moss, like, hey, I know we got Jake Garcia. I know we got Keenan Slows. But if you come in and you prove to me that you're the better quarterback, you will play. And what I just did last year as a USC coach, I proved that. So it's kind of like a – it's a kind of an interesting recruiting ship saying, like, hey, like, based off what I did in college football this past year, like, you can trust me in the fact that if I think you're better, you will actually play. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a couple things, and it's certainly one of them, Brandon. And I think the other thing that – 
what this signals to me is recruits are not afraid to commit to USC, even though the Clay Helton's on the hot seat, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because generally when you get coaches on the hot seat, recruits sometimes get a little bit dicey and they're they're not sure, and, and your recruiting classes tend to go downward, But which is why everybody thought he was on the hot seat it, uh, to begin with. And I think it's interesting that he's starting to bring in big-time recruits again, even though he is on the hot seat. So uh, the other thing I think, especially when it comes to quarterbacks, is obviously the addition of Graham Harrell on the staff. And and I'd be stunned if Graham Harrell wasn't uh, the centerpiece on a lot of these discussions with those two quarterbacks. Absolutely. Graham Harrell's been a home run hire considering what could have happened at USC. Because remember, USC hired Cliff Kingsbury to be their offensive coordinator, and then he bounced and took an NFL head coaching job like three weeks after he, or a month after he signed on to be the OC at USC. Getting Graham Harrell, who comes from that Mike Leach lineage, to come in from North Texas. He had just had a successful couple years at North Texas with Seth Luttrell and Mason Fine. And he comes in, and then Keaton Slovis just absolutely balls out. JT Daniels even looked great before he got hurt. I think he had like 250 yards passing in the first half before he hurt his knee in that opening game. So I think quarterbacks saw that, and they said, hey, this is a spot where we want to go. We know we're going to be able to put up numbers. We have a quarterback-friendly system with Graham Harrell leading the way. Plus, guys, I don't know how long I've said this for. If you are a top quarterback, there's just something different about going to USC. It's quarterback you, man. I think in twenty, like in the last twenty years, every quarterback that has started for USC has been drafted. Starting with Carson Palmer, and then you've had Matt Liner. I'm not going to go on the list, but Mark, you know, Josh, John David Booty, Mark Sanchez. I could go. <laughs> yeah, Sam Darnold. have been drafted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could go on and on and on and on. USC is quarterback you, man. I love it, and I love that the quarterbacks are starting to go back to USC. I think college football is better when USC is better. Oh, no doubt about it, man. No doubt. I, I, obviously, I'm a Pac, Pac-12 guy. I always love to see UW do well. The other school that I really like is USC. I've always liked them. A lot of that was, you know, the you know the 2000, the early 2000 teams. I fell in love with those teams. I love I love Pete Carroll. So um, I would love to see USC get back to being in the Pac-12 championship game and, and contending for a national title. As we wrap up with the USC talk, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout-out to our good friends, my good friends at another pod, Michael Newman with College Football Bros. What's up, man? USC, are they back? you got to answer back on your next episode. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Prospect 101 fans? Looking to win money but think there's nothing to bet on? Well, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you can find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. To transition to another team that's had a really, really strong recruiting class so far and really strong because of where they've really been at the last you know, decade is Rutgers. Rutgers right now currently 
sits at sits at number 13 in the national recruiting rankings. Or sorry, I'm 19, my apologies. They sit at 19. They're in the top 20. I, I tell you what, I did not expect Greg Schiano to turn around the recruiting as fast as he has. And Pastel, what is the secret to that? What's been the secret to him flipping ob- the script at Rutgers? It's obvious. He's actually recruiting within the state of New Jersey. I mean, if you really look at the top 15 players in the state of New Jersey, eight of them have either committed or 100%, according to 247, have a crystal ball projection that they will commit to New Jersey. So if you can recruit within your state and you can recruit that dominantly within the top 15, I mean, over 50% of the players are recruiting or committing to your school, mm-hmm. that's how you get a top 20 class like he just got or is getting. You can't underestimate the importance of recruiting in your own backyard and your pipeline. A lot of people might look at New Jersey and be like, well, it's a really small state. How much talent actually comes out of there? But people forget just because it's a small state, New Jersey is one of the most populated states per capita in the United States. Like there is a ton of talent that comes out of New Jersey yearly. And you're, you're, you hit the nail right on the head, Brandon. They have 10 recruits right now from New Jersey out of the 20 that have, have given hard commitments. And Shianu, that's what he did when he blew up and he got Rutgers on the map in the mid to late 2000s was he recruited New Jersey very, very well. And one thing schools that go up and down, one thing you notice is that they recruit in their backyard very well. Look at look at Maryland. Look at Virginia Tech. Schools that haven't been playing that elite of football recently. What's the one thing they're lacking right now? Brandon, we were talking about this offline the other day. Virginia Tech has lost their grip on the 757. They're not recruiting their home state very well. Yep. And it's and they're not getting those elite athletes that are coming out of 757. And Maryland is just now starting to get some of their recruits out of the local area, out of the DMV area. And look at their recruiting class. They're ranked, I think, in the top 15 currently, top 16. So it just goes to show you the importance of recruiting at home. I'm excited to see what Rutgers can do. Gless, what it, when it comes to Greg Schiano, what are, what, are, what are some of the things that impresses you as a coach at what he does? Yeah, I mean, he, he's certainly uh, a defensive guy, and he's a guy that's all about discipline. So he's able to really, you know, uh, get a defense together, get them, you know, it's all about responsibility. Obviously, you know, coached with Urban Meyer for three years at Ohio State. So I, I'm going to be curious to kind of watch his journey at Rutgers because he, it's been a little bit bumpy for him since he left Rutgers the first time. Obviously, he went to the Buccaneers and had two very rough years there. Players hated him. Uh, the way they treated him, he thought that they treated him like like college players instead of being, you know, professional athletes. And then, of course, he goes to Ohio State. And, and performs well there as a defensive coordinator. And then last time, you know, gets hired by Tennessee, and then that whole thing, you know, kind of comes apart. Mm-hmm. Joins the New England Patriots for a little bit. I'm sorry, it was reported that he was hired by the New England Patriots, but right. never actually went there. And then, he, of course, he got hired at Rutgers. So, you know, what impresses me is it, it, it's all about defense with him. And so I'd be stunned – if the Rutgers defense doesn't improve significantly under him here in the next tier, year or two. Now, they need it to improve because they're in the Big Ten, and <laughs> they are the bottom of the Big Ten. I mean, really, the only game they could probably maybe win next year in conference would be Maryland, maybe. Other than that, I mean, he's got a lot of work to do, but yeah. certainly off to a good start. Absolutely, and he's going to need that defense to step up because their, their quarterback play leaves a lot to be desired. Though, I got to say – 
I love Art Stikowski. Hashtag start art. Speaking of the Big Ten, Gless, and I think that's a very interesting point you bring up on how deep and how good the Big Ten is. And you know, SEC gets a lot of hype, and rightfully so. The SEC is very deep and very talented as well, probably the best conference in all of college football. But the Big Ten is, A, starting to give them a run for their money, and, B, they're starting to out-recruit the SEC a little bit. The Big Ten has eight teams ranked in the top 25 right now uh, of recruiting and recruiting classes. So they have eight teams in the top 25 according to – 24-7 sports, and that tops all the P5 conferences in the country. You, the SEC has six, the ACC has five, the Pac-12 has two, the Big 12 has two, and then you have independent Notre Dame and G5 Cincinnati out of the AAC rank, making up the rest of the top 25 in their respective conferences. Guys, what are your thoughts on the Big Ten kind of topping that list? Is that, does that surprise you? Is that you think that's going to change by you know early signing day and letter of intents? And does the Big Ten have a shot at catching the SEC in terms of top to bottom talent? The Big Ten, I, I mean, we talk about we talk about peaks and we talk about like you know falls more or less. And there, the Big Ten is on a peak right now. Like they've got a pretty stellar set of coaches. I mean, when you got a Minnesota with a guy named P.J. Fleck kind of yeah. at the realm, like, I mean, that's usually a, let's be honest, like, Minnesota's not known as a very good football program in the Big 12, but that's one of the top programs. And then you got Ohio State. Then you got Penn State, who's honestly usually in the top 10 in the last few years. Uh, and then you got Michigan. I mean, you can just go on and on right now. I think the Big 10 is at a peak right now. So this doesn't necessarily surprise me because they've got the coaches to do it. I'm more curious if they can retain these coaches. Like are we going to see these rankings in a year from now? And that's what I really want to want to see. What well, to your point, Brandon, I, there's a lot of big-time schools and a lot of big-time coaches here, right? I think a, a couple of things that really stand out to me is the success that Penn State has had the last three or four years under James Franklin. Not only has Franklin recruited well, but they've performed really well on the field. I think that's one. I think, obviously, Ohio State, in my opinion, being a top-three program in the country, if not a top-two program, uh, certainly helps. Even, you, you know, even at Michigan, guys, I mean, uh, Jim Harbaugh is recruiting extremely well in this class and, and impressed at what he's doing there. And a lot of people have been, quote-unquote, disappointed what he's done there just because they haven't been able to beat, mm-hmm. Mich- beat Ohio State and really been able to turn that thing around. But then, you know, you start thinking about the Iowas and the Minnesotas and, and Wisconsin, and then you still have that kind of former blue blood in Nebraska that really still hasn't turned the corner uh, in quite some time. So to me, I look at the depth of the Big Ten, and it's it's one of the deepest that I can remember as far as big-time coaches and big-time schools as far as uh, football, uh, just kind of how their football programs are going at this point in time. I mean, we just said it, Rutgers football. Like, Rutgers football is one of the worst programs in the last five years, and they have a top yep. 20 recruiting class. And that, yep. that just goes to show the depth of the Big Ten right now. It shows the respect for the Big Ten, too, right? I mean, kids know that if they get recruited to a Big Ten school, that, that's a big deal, right? You know, no, no offense to, the, to an ACC or a Pac-12 school, but, you know, you get recruited to a Big Ten school, that's almost like getting recruited to go play in the SEC somewhere. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if the Big Ten can, A, knock off the SEC in terms of dominance. And I think it's – I don't know. I don't even want to – knock off might be too strong of a term. You know, I, I would like to see the Big Ten take the next step and maybe have a second or a third team enter the race, like Penn State, like Michigan, who are, who are playoff contenders and not playoff contenders in preseason like 
come the end of the year, they're right there around that four, five, six spot. So I'd like to see I'd like to see them take the next step. I'd like to see a couple other state schools like Minnesota become perennial Rose Bowl threats and really start establishing themselves as an alternate to the SEC because the ACC hasn't done that yet. The Pac-12 hasn't done that yet. The Big 12 outside of Oklahoma really hasn't done that yet. And even Oklahoma, they've gotten throttled in all their all their postseason uh, games, except for against Georgia, where they blew the lead. But I, I would like to see I would like to see them step up. And speaking of Georgia, guys, I was looking at the rankings the other day, and Georgia is ready to explode, guys. They are ranked 14th in the country right now in terms of recruiting class. They only have nine commits. That's it. Listen, everybody in front of them. The, the next team that has the next lowest in front of them is Oregon at 10 with 12. They have nine commits, seven four-stars, one three-star, and one five-star. And they lead the crystal ball on a handful of five-star recruits and a lot of four-star recruits. Kirby Smart is ready to take this class to the next level, and I think they're just a couple commitments away from, A, breaking into the top 10. But I would not be surprised if they have a top two recruiting class honestly that's their ceiling i think their floor might be a top five yeah let's not kid ourselves we're a tua tagavola throw away and then a jalen hurts comeback in the sec championship from talking about georgia being one of the best programs in football the last four years Mm -hmm. unfortunately they haven't won those two games and you can't really put them in that category until they get over that hump but that's a very he is kirby smart has built a program down there with the talent that he has surrounded everyone around with to an elite program they just got to win freaking football games man and this is just because this is another uh testament to what he's been doing as far as recruiting trail and it's proven it year in year out uh i do worry again what we talked about earlier today is is vandergriff the five-star quarterback they recruited is he going to stay i mean that quarterback room is deep right now with four five four and five star previous recruits i think where he's going to end up staying i really do i think one of the things I think he'll stay because I think he's going to try and prove that he can beat out those guys. I don't think he's going to have that much of a hard time beating out Carson Beck and Stetson Bennett or Dewan Mathis. I don't think he's going to have a hard time beating those guys out. His main competition is going to be JT Daniels, in my opinion. But I, I think he can beat out JT Daniels. I'm not sold JT Daniels is the guy we thought he was. I mean, I, I know I shared this a little bit last week, so I'm not going to get into it. But I, I, I do think he could come in and compete with JT Daniels. And if he doesn't, you know, and he might be banking on the fact that he can transfer with with one time with no penalty because that is that hasn't been voted on yet, but the rumor is that it's going to get passed. It just keeps getting pushed back because of the pandemic and the COVID-19 stuff that might entice a lot of five-star guys to stay for a year and say, Hey, let me see if I can win, if I can win the job at my first choice school. And if I can't, I can split and go play somewhere next year, penalty free. So I do think Vandergriff will end up staying, but George is just an embarrassment of riches right now. They are just reloading and reloading and reloading. I mean, but that's they've had how many top five recruiting classes in a row? Like four or five now. It looks like they're primed to, to drop. Maybe not a number one because I don't know if anybody can catch Ohio State. Kind of transferring from the FBS to the FCS. Pastel, why don't you give us a little update on what's been going on in the FCS recruiting world this week? Yeah, this is one of my funnest parts of the uh, the segment that we do here. So. I, I wasn't going to have a JMU uh, person on this this week, but then, of course, there's some of that recruit that commits yesterday, and that's Gus McGay. And this is a three-star prospect that had multiple FBS offers from the likes of somebody like Cincinnati, UMass. And when I kind of watch his huddle film, which is kind of where I go to for high school athletes, 
He absolutely is a good. He's a good. He's going to be a tight end most likely mm-hmm. at JMU, which is funny because they just recruited Zach Horton, who's a three-star tight end that's going to be playing for them. But he shows good ability to catch the ball away from his body, which is not rare. But you like to see that in a tight end. And when you kind of like see what he loved so much about JMU and why he wanted to go to JMU over the likes of Cincinnati or UMass, it's really what we've been trying to promote the last few years at JMU, which is is our facilities. I mean, that's why we invested so much money. And he loved the atmosphere when he went to mm-hmm. JMU. I think he was probably more caught off guard, but he also loved the way that they utilized their tight ends. And that's kind of what got Zach Horton to go there and the ability to use him as an H-back and inline blocker. And even go ahead and split him out wide. They're going to be able to utilize Gus McGay in very multiple ways. And I think it's a very appealing part to the JMU's offense. And then another big, another big, big week for not North Dakota State, but North Dakota they got three recruits, and they were all pretty good players. Uh, three stars, I think one two-star. But Jaden Norby, he's a six foot four, 235-pound tight end. He played quarterback at high school. He also played linebacker at high school. Uh, but pretty much the way the North Dakota, they, they run that spread type of offense, and they're going to transition him to a tight end. It shouldn't be that difficult of a transition. I think it's going to take him a year or two, but he definitely has the athletic ability to transition into a tight end in North Dakota's offense. I mean, he ran for 574 yards and 15 touchdowns as a QB in high school. So pretty crazy there. Another guy uh, for North Dakota, the running back, Gavin Zybarth. Mm-hmm. He had offers from Air Force and Army, both military academies. But look at this guy's 100-meter time. He ran a 10.88 in the 100-meter yard dash, whatever you want to call it, 100-meter dash in track last year. He plays football. He played hockey. He played track. He played baseball. He was the number one running back in the state of Minnesota. So it's great to see guys like that in the state of Minnesota go to a smaller school like North Dakota. This guy's a complete all-around athlete. I can't wait to see what he does there. And then the last guy is Trey Freedy. He's a six foot two, lefty dual-threat quarterback. And when you kind of evaluate his, his game tape, he doesn't really have that zip that you would like to see, but that's probably why he's going to North Dakota. Uh, but he has great accuracy and he has great mobility. So he's going to be one of those developing prospects down the road that I can see being a pretty impactful player for North Dakota. And then the last player I want to talk about in the FCS roundup is the Morgan State offensive tackle Chance Moore. Chance Moore is six foot three, two hundred and ninety pounds. And if you <laughs> go ahead and watch a little bit of how he dominates the defensive line, oh my goodness, the way he uses his hands, the way he kind of just overpowers play people, mm-hmm. he's gonna be a phenomenal and an almost probably instant starter for Morgan State. Wow. Uh so I, I'm extremely excited to see what he does. I mean he had offers from FBS schools as well, like the likes of bowling greens. I mean, there's a reason why I chose Morgan State. I think it's probably to get that early playing time, but I think it's going to be a school that's going to be able to develop him early and kind of really show what he can do over the next four years for Morgan State. So pretty much pretty good recruit for Morgan State and pretty good overall recruiting week for FCS. Yeah, North Dakota definitely racked up a quarterback, a tight end, and a running back. I mean, you can't really hit a better trifecta than that. I I do like this Gavin Zierbarth guy and, and Gless Shocker, the, the number one running back from Minnesota. What else does he play? Hockey. Minnesota and hockey. Weird. Yeah, weird, <laughs> weird. It's a what? It's so weird for us because we live on the East Coast and it doesn't get that cold where we are. And we always see hockey and it's like, dude, hockey's not even a thought around here. And then you look up there and all these guys play hockey. It's like their second sport. It's crazy. But it, it, it's cool to see FCS getting some love. It's cool to see the FCS getting guys who have D1 offers. And the JMU guy really stuck out to me, Gus McGee. He had, a F, he had an offer from Cincinnati. That's not a that's not a small program. Cincinnati's not some 
some like run of the mill G5. They're arguably the top G5 outside of maybe UCF and Memphis. Like those are kind of your top three G5 programs. To, to get an offer from from Cincinnati, you got to be doing something right. And to go to JMU, I mean, just hey, the rich get richer at the at the next at the FCS level. So it's good for JMU. And speaking of the G5. I just wanted to go over the G5 top 10 real quick. You know, Cincinnati dropped one spot. They're 24th. They're still in the top 25. Still a solid recruiting class, obviously, for, for Luke Fickle there. And it looks, uh, by all accounts, they're probably going to stay up there. I think the only school that can really give them a run for their money is F- SMU, who actually dropped two spots to 30. Toledo rose three spots to 36. They had a couple commits this week. Miami of Ohio rose four to, to break into the top 50 from 50 to 46. And then UTSA rose four to 51. Speaking of UTSA, they're in Conference USA, and our Conference USA preview is coming up in a couple weeks. I got to say, I started reading more into just just doing some early research into the Conference USA and, and their teams and the coaches and, and trying to figure out you know what teams we really want to highlight. This Jeff Trailer guy, who's the head coach at UTSA, UTSA I like him, man. I like, his, I like his background. He's kind of this dark horse coach, but... He's doing a great job at recruiting at a school that doesn't ever recruit well, ever. But I like him because he's been – he was one of the best high school coaches in Texas for 14 years, for two decades and a half. He was one of the preeminent high school football coaches, and he, he immediately was named assistant head coach at SMU in his first college job. Like, I, I don't think this guy gets a lot of press – but I would not be surprised if he's turning some heads at UTSA UTSA in a couple of years, and he's already starting to recruit well his first year on the job. I'm not going to go too too much down that rabbit hole. I'm going to save that for our Conference USA preview. That's a little teaser for our listeners. But it was just something that caught my eye. Brandon, why don't you give us a breakdown of the top 10 overall right now? Yeah, so not too many changes. Number one, Ohio State. Number two, Tennessee. Number three, Clemson. Number four, USC kind of jumped now up there to that fourth spot. The, the steamroll of North Carolina has started to slow down. They've dropped to number five when they were number three there for most of the last month or two. Michigan, has, they've made a big jump the last two weeks, really jumping outside that top 15 to the top six now. And then you got Florida number seven, LSU number eight, Minnesota staying consistent at number nine. And then the newcomer of the week is Oregon football, number 10. So good to see Oregon kind of back up there. I'm going to throw a quick little outliers out there. Kind of to what your point earlier, can you talk about recruiting within the DMV, recruiting within uh, Virginia, Maryland, and so forth? Maryland football, they're still within the thir- they're still in the top fifteen. They're thirteen overall. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. And I'm going to throw my weekly shade at Alabama right now, uh, guys. They are still 39th according to 247 Sports. And I I've said this for the last four weeks. When is it going to hit? When are they going to get that domino effect of athletes? I don't think it's happening. To the sense of, or to the effect of, it's going to be a top ten class. I think they're going to be outside the top ten this year. I'll believe it when I see it. I just, it's just got to, it's, just, it's, I'm just going to have to see it before I believe it. Yeah, well, I do think that Alabama is not going to be in the top ten, Kenny. So I'm sorry. Well, I guess we'll see it. But if I am right, then that's another hot take from past, though. That is correct. I don't know if you consider them hot takes anymore. If I'm always freaking right, so except you're mark not, this down in your little oh notes, God, Kenny. Except you're not. Mark these down in your little notes. All right, so other notable signings. I'm just going to hit on a few. Uh, Louisville, they got a four-star outside linebacker who, by the way, was offered by Alabama and didn't sign with Alabama, and that's Jare Williams uh, from the state of Washington, which, by the way, I love the fact that he's from the state of Washington and signed with Louisville. Any reason why? Oh, wait, well, maybe because his father played basketball at Louisville, 
from 2005 to 2009. Mm-hmm. It was a first-round pick uh, by the Nets, Terrence Williams. So that's that's really the reason why I believe that he went to Louisville. Like his dad, he's a freakish athlete. And that's kind of what Rick Pitino said about his dad, Terrence Williams. Was like how much, And that's why he would win slam dunk contests. So not mm-hmm. to get too off base, but Jari Williams is very similar to that. He plays outside linebacker, but he kind of brings that Khalil Mack type of style playmaking ability to the outside linebacker position because he's just so athletic. Now, he's not the next Cleo Mack, but I'm just saying like he's very athletic. So, good pickup for Louisville. Next one is uh, Minnesota. They picked up a three-star, Austin Booker. He's a defensive end, 6'5", 235. His high school coach, by the way, which freakish high school program that they got there, had five other Division One players, and his coach said that this guy, Austin Booker, has the most potential out of all of them. Nice. So, even though he's only a three-star, I think you look at that size, you look at that wingspan, you look at everything about him, I just don't think they were able to maximize that at the high school level, and he's still kind of growing into his body, that I think that even his high school coach knows that Minnesota's going to get the best out of him. So great pickup from Minnesota. USC, Michael Jackson, he's a three-star yeah. wide receiver. And USC, you kind of think like, oh, man, why they – you don't really highlight three-star players from them too often. But this guy reminds me of Steve Smith, and not Steve Smith from USC, but Steve Smith from Utah and played for the Carolina mm-hmm. Panthers. Very kind of like stocky receiver, uh, shorter receiver, but just feisty, extremely feisty. So I, I can't wait to see what he does at the USC level and kind of stay on that wide receiver train. NC State, which, Kenny, I know you just mentioned transfer from NC State, or not transfer, but a decommitment to a commitment, and that's Michael Crowell. And this guy had offers, again, from Alabama, Auburn, other yeah. major SEC programs. You know, I knew you'd put this in there to kind of try and turn the knife a little bit. Micah Kroll, his top two, t- his top two teams were <laughs> NC State and Wake Forest. Whatever, man. Dude, I'm sorry, He picked man. the wrong school because Dave Doran's going to get fired after this year, so he'll transfer after this year, whatever. Dude. <laughs> that sucks, man. Wake Forest can't catch a break, man. I'm not even going to go down my Wake Forest tangent. I won't do it, actually. But, hey, great week for NC State. Kenny, who was the other player you mentioned earlier that decommitted and then committed to NC State? Nate yeah, Evans. Nate, Nate Evans. A, so, yeah. big big, big week for NC State. Uh, Michael Crowe, Nate Evans, so... And then I'm going to kind of just round it off with Missouri Tigers. They got a three-star Dylan Carnell. He's another receiver. He's the eighth best player in the state of Indiana. And I was watching a little bit of his huddles film today. Oh, my God. Absolute playmaker. Absolute playmaker. I don't want to throw the word Rondell Moore around because that's a – there's not guys like Rondell Moore out in the college landscape. Mm-hmm. But for – if you want to kind of like mimic his playing like style, that's kind of what he does from a college athlete. So – I'm I'm extremely again excited to see what Dylan Carnell can do or Dalen Carnell can do for the Missouri Dalen, Tigers. Yeah, Dalen Carnell. Yeah, it's a big get for Missouri. Who, you know, they're in the SEC now, man. They've got to start recruiting with the big dogs. They're the one team I think that you know they've obviously benefited from having a bunch of that revenue share from from SEC schools and SEC bowls, but. Texas A&M has seemed to do a little bit better at transitioning from the Big 12 to the SEC than Missouri has. Now, Missouri's obviously been in some trouble, and they've got some, you know, they've got postseason bans and stuff. So it's it's it, they're going to have to dig themselves out of a little bit of a hole. But it's good to see them get a, a playmaker. It's definitely the least sexy school out of the out of the SEC. Right? I agree. Yeah, I think it's probably the least. Like maybe you'd consider Vanderbilt, but at least Vanderbilt's in like Nashville. In Nashville, that's yeah, what I was it's in say. Nashville, and it's like a really like highly like prestigious university. I gotta think that Missouri's like the least sexy out of them, out of them all, right? 
Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be Missouri or Mississippi State. Like, there's just nothing around Mississippi State. Like, at least Ole Miss is like kind of nice and it's kind of like built up around there. Mississippi State is just there's nothing in Starkville. Man, I hope we don't have any listeners in Starkville. They're gonna be salty. <laughs> it might be a little salty, but hey, in my defense, I love Mike Leach, and I'm excited to see KJ Costello tear up the SEC with Mike Leach. So, well, that's gonna wrap it up for our recruiting roundup this week. Again, another exciting week of recruiting news. You know, and and the best, like I said, we talked about earlier. The best thing about this is every week there's something new to talk about. There's always an ever changing landscape. Recruiting is 24-7. There's going to be some big commitments this weekend that are scheduled. Can't wait to dive into them. As always, make sure you follow us on social media at Prospects101Pod. And we're going to always be throwing out breaking news in terms of recruits, in terms of who's signing. We're giving our analysis on it. And also remember to make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, you name it, we're on it. Make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes, and make sure you leave a review as well. Who knows? We might read it on air or drop a prize. Can't tell you, but go ahead and leave a review, and you'll find out. As always, I'm Kenny Keller for Brandon Pastel and for Brandon Glessner. Have a great day. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.